This week's episode is brought to you by Pop TV and CBC's Schitt's Creek. The final season of Schitt's Creek is the recipient of 15 Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Comedy Series, Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series, Outstanding Directing for a Comedy Series, plus acting nominations for Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Dan Levy, and Annie Murphy. Schitt's Creek on Pop TV and CBC for your Emmy consideration. Full episodes streaming on poptv.com and the Pop Now app. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Well, it's crunch time, folks. Voting actually starts tomorrow for the finals for all the Emmy nominees. Uh, So now uh, is the moment of truth. And today we're going to be discussing some of our predictions uh, for those Emmy winners this year. And then you're going to hear a snippet of Dominic's conversation with Regina King from our Deadline Contenders Television the Nominees event last weekend. Yeah, which was which was fantastic. And of course, Watchmen has more nominations than anybody else this year. They have 26 nominations with three-time Emmy winner and Oscar winner Regina King up yet again. So we will see if Sister Night takes the night. But tonight, today, we're talking supporting which, you know, is a category or categories, plural, that often gets left a little bit behind, but actually is, my opinion, where some of the real action is always happening. So we're going to break it down as you break it down. We're going to talk comedy, drama, and then limited series or movies. So let's start off right away, and let's go right to supporting actress drama, where there are some huge names and a lot of HBO, I should point out. Yeah, but who do you think is going to be taking it home this year for the 2020, which probably will be a virtual Emmys that we don't know entirely yet? Well, I think it's definitely a virtual Emmys. Uh, they've told everybody that. So, uh, yes. It but, will you know, be- things are changing so fast. Who, who knows? Yeah, well, you know, you know, stranger things have happened. I think that uh, when the envelopes open, you're going to see the same results as last year here. And let me tell you why. Julia Garner won for Ozark last year uh, because some of her competitors were running against each other. And, and she was the, uh, the nice choice there. And people that watched Ozark really impressed. She just explodes on that small screen. And I think with the pandemic and the timing of uh, Ozark this year, more people clearly have been watching that show and talking about it. It's become a real water cooler show for Netflix. And, uh, and she is just better than ever in that. So I'm predicting her in that thing. But watch out, because Netflix has a problem. Their uh, own show, The Crown, has... Isn't, isn't that actually, own... isn't that a whole genre on Netflix? Netflix has a problem? Yeah. <laughs> Netflix the well, they have Helena Bonham Carter, who's playing Princess Margaret here. In The Crown. Uh, in the new season of The Crown. And she's sensational and uh, a lot of fun, too, to talk to. I had a really now, good chat with her. Yeah, um, I know you did. And it was fantastic. I mean, the thing about playing Princess Margaret is it's a role that you just get, it, it, it's made for you because you can play so many different things and just chew it up. However... I have a different prediction, and it is more modern-day royalty, particularly of the corporate billionaire class, which is Sarah Snook from Succession. I think her shiv has been probably... Look, everybody has a favorite from Succession. Everybody wants to play against which member of the Murdoch family it may or may not be. But I think Sarah Snook's shiv has been an amazing contribution to this, especially in this second season where, no spoiler, at one point she was supposed to basically take over the company from her father. I think that she will take it. I think the heat that's on succession is hot and real. And I think that this could be her year. 
and I just think also succession has become it's become that rare thing in this uh, this multi cable multi streamer universe, which is it is a true water cooler show, at least among the media people. And let's be honest, a lot of the TV Academy people are exactly that. Well, totally. And, you know, I think that uh, she has a good shot. Uh, there are nine actors across the board nominated for that series. So clearly, actors love Succession. No question about it when you look at those kind of numbers. And it's in the Emmys. It's actors voting for actors, even in the finals. And so that, Mr. Patton, is a very smart prediction based on that. Um, but You know, I... Nope. Life is ultimately all about math, isn't it? Yes, but to that, Meryl Streep hey, is nominated. Meryl Segway, Streep. Let's is talk she allowed about to lose? Is Meryl Streep allowed to lose? I don't think so. I think there's some she sort of rule. She has to. You can't. You look. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. But you know, you know how some people say, and I never believe them. But they say, "Oh, it's such an honor just to be nominated." I mean, at this point. Meryl should kind of say, like, I got nominated and I'm not really going to run for it because I've got enough. I mean, how much shelf space does the woman need? Yeah, well, as Catherine O'Hara told me last week when I interviewed her, uh, aping her character from the uh, movie For Your Consideration, it's an honor to almost be nominated. And uh, <laughs> Meryl Streep doesn't know what that's like because she's never almost been nominated. She's been nominated anytime she does something, it seems. Exactly. And I thought she was awfully good in Big Little Lies. Laura Dern, of course, playing the role she won for a limited uh, series the first time around, is doing that again. But I think um, if there's going to be one from that show, it will be Meryl, but most likely not. Uh, Tandy Newton won a couple of years ago for Westworld. She was fantastic. She had to do all the Japanese. And, and Samara Westworld. Wiley for The Handmaid's So I mean, look, I mean, clearly. You know, we are in an age when there's so much excellence and so much quality out there. I just feel, though, like you articulated and like I, I intonated, is these are actor categories and the, the vast amount of nominations that Succession has received, it just seems to me incredibly clear that this is the, this is the lead and this is the, this is the front runner. And I just, I don't see how they take it away from Sarah Snook. I just don't. Well, you never know with eight nominees. And, and this is interesting to note about most of these supporting categories. They're loaded with eight nominees. And that means the close vote in the nominations to get that way. I mean, the series, drama and comedy, are now deemed to be eight nominees no matter what happens. But that's not true in the acting categories. You have to actually have a close enough vote in the nominations to get to that number. And they, they always seem to in these categories. So what, what you think about actors, uh, supporting actors? Well, I mean, there's the thing is, I, I also say that succeeding on Succession. Succession has two nominations. Now, I will grant you, so does The Morning Show as well. But I think really, if you're going to look at West Supporting, I think, as you three, said, actors three vote nominations. For actors. Dominic, what? three, three for succession. That, actually, you're right. There are three. That's actually right. Again, math is the basis of all things. But <laughs> I think the succession three nominations is not going to beat Bradley Whitford for The Handmaid's Tale. I think that I think that his role as as the renegade commander this year uh, struck a chord with a lot of people on a show that has continued to have not only an immense shock value but also a tremendous poignancy in the times we're living in in this year of election. Uh, and disease. And I also think too, though, I mean, from West Wing onwards, he, he is a favorite and, and people love Bradley. Uh, you know, he's part, he participated in some of our screening series, et cetera, et cetera. People love him. People love working with him. People love watching him. People love uh, writing for him. People love directing for him. And I just think that this is a good year for him with a great role. 
Well, he's my prediction too, and, and it's simply based on numbers here. I think you have three from succession that might just cancel each other out. That doesn't always happen. Uh, we've seen, you know, where uh, some squeak it out and win against their co-stars, particularly in the Emmys. Um, and then we have two terrific performances on the morning show. I really love Mark Duplass and Billy Crudup. Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Crudup maybe could uh, squeak it out if, if they don't cancel each other out. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is nominated in The Guest Actor. Better Call Saul does not seem to be on the radar in any big way with the actors branch since they ignored Bob Odenkirk and Rhea Seahorn. So, well, you know. I mean, I, I and I don't understand how you ignore Rhea this year. I mean, this is this is, I know. you know, look, I mean, they're, they're, nominations and wins. It, it's not a science. It's an art, clearly. I, I don't get that. I mean, yeah. honestly, I, like there's conspiracy theories I'm willing to entertain late at night, not today. But honestly, whatever <laughs> happened there was just wrong. It was wrong. Jeffrey Wright, by the way, has been nominated all three years of Westworld and not one here. He won an Emmy years ago for Angels in America. He's very good and very admired. Um, but I think it, you were right when you used the words West Wing, not Westworld. I think it goes to the man who has already got three Emmys and uh, seems to have the Academy's number, Bradley Whitford. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And, and, I think, and, and it's a strong choice. It's a very, very strong choice. This episode is brought to you by Pop TV and CBC's Schitt's Creek. The final season of Schitt's Creek is the recipient of 15 Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Comedy Series and Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series. Schitt's Creek on Pop TV and CBC for your Emmy consideration. Now, let's, let's slip over a little bit here and let's talk supporting actor comedy. I have to say, you know there's that time, and, and you've taught me this over the years, there's a time when you kind of battle with your head and your heart about this. I can't make a decision. My, my head and my heart says Dan, Daniel Levy from Schitt's Creek, co-creator uh, as well as star and everything else. I mean, he's up for four nominations if you add them all up together. But then again, my head and my heart also say Mahershala Ali for Rami. I mean, who just was a star turn when he walks in the door and then he owns it as soon as he walks into, in this case, the mosque. So I just, I can't make a decision there. I just can't, I can't. I don't know how. They're both amazing. They're both fantastic. They're both so worthy of these nominations and they're both so worthy of a win. Don't know. So well, let me make it maybe, maybe there's a maybe there's a third horse that comes up, but I don't know what it is. Well, the third horse is Tony Shalhoub, who also, like Bradley Whitford, has the Academy's number. He wins for showing up most of the time here. He didn't have his best season, maybe on Maisel with the best material, although it's interesting how he's becoming a critic and that sort of thing. And, and uh, so it was fun stuff. I am on record as predicting Dan Levy, uh, but he has four nominations. Now they don't sit around when they vote because it's the actors voting in this category and say, oh, well, he can win in writing our drama, he, uh, you know, comedy. He, uh, he does not, factor into that kind of thinking, I don't think. I think they just look at the performance. And I think that Schitt's Creek's time has come. People know it's the last season. Uh, they love these characters. I think Dan Levy's great. I, all these guys. Personally, I would love to see Alan Arkin win for Kaminsky Method. I just think this guy's one of the greatest actors of all time. And it's time he won an Emmy, but he love that show. I mean, Mahershala also, Ali, I mean, though, also, I agree with you. There's a great it's turn in have, seeing Sterling K. Brown, you know, an Emmy, an Emmy regular, if ever there was one, but up for the marvelous Miss Maisel. But I, yeah. I do, I do think also. I will say this: I think that there's a lot of star power with Mahershala, clearly. Yeah. yeah I but I also say this, and this is a kind of a 
part of this that we don't often talk about on the podcast, but Schitt's Creek has done one hell of an Emmy campaign. Yeah. One hell of an Emmy campaign. It, it really doesn't hurt when you have legends like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara and they're, in, they're out and, and as much as one can be out in this era of COVID, but they're on Zoom, they're, they're, they're talking, they're talking to people all the time. They did, you know, they were, they were fantastic at our contenders uh, TV, the nominees. And um, I just did them for actors' side an actor side with both of them? Yeah, both of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I did a nomination, uh, pre-nomination thing with Dan and with Annie Murphy, who's also up in supporting actress for comedy. I just think that their campaign is so strong. And I think the fact that their nominations for all of their leads, you know, best actor, best actress, best supporting actress, best, uh, best supporting actor, and best comedy. So I feel like there's a momentum there that's hard to get out of the way of. But I think if anyone can maybe do that, and it's a very different role, a very different take, it could be Mahershala. And they've seen Rami in the numbers that they seem to have seemed uh, a Schitt's Creek. Yeah, I, I would agree. I ag agree that Mahershala is the one to watch coming in on the outside, but I think it's Dan Levy and Kenan Thompson in Saturday Night Live, William Jackson Harper in The Good Place, and Andre Brower in Brooklyn Nine-Nine should all be happy that they got nominated. <laughs> now that is some mean-hearted faint praise, but I don't disagree with you in one little bit. Having moving on to saying that, Supporting Actress Comedy. Now, okay. again, I am going to say I have a head and a heart double, double confrontation here. I believe it should be Annie Murphy for Schitt's Creek. Her Alexis over the entire arc of the series was a fantastic evolution. And an actress who already got, has got a lead role in another series coming up, delayed by coronavirus shutting down production, but coming, which is Kevin can go F himself. Um, but then there's Yvonne Orji in Insecure, and I just think she was amazing, as always. So I perhaps overuse the term amazing, but I'm actually using it very specifically because Yvonne is amazing. So again, I'm conflicted. I just don't know. And that actually, for me, is some of the best parts of the Emmys, when you just don't know. Well, this is where I'm going off uh, uh, in predicting um, uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy and Dan Levy. And I, it heart, breaks my heart to have one of those foursome not win, but I, 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 for whatever reason, I don't see all four of them winning. And I do see um, Alex Borstein, uh, who's won two years uh, for Maisel. It, it, people love the character, uh, Academy members in particular. She had a very good season. I mean, she got into some real kind of dramatic, darker areas, the uh, blowing all the money and all of that stuff. And it was a new edge uh, to her character here of Susie. So I think Alex Borstein wins a third in a row and this is not unprecedented in emmy history a lot of actors have won continually for the same character it just seems to way be the way the cookie crumbles i'll go with alex uh winning again for mrs mazel here and uh until annie murphy i can't wait for that that uh, next project you just talked about exactly now let's move on like you know i would say that this next category that we we talk about a lot on the show on the podcast and we both have a, a very, very strong feelings about this. But I also partially it's because I feel this is where a lot of the prestige in the Emmys is nowadays, which is limited series or movie. And if you're looking at supporting actor, I think the number one, well, the most nominated show of this year's Emmys, I think is also has three uh, representatives in the supporting actor limited series or movie. And I believe it's going to go to the man who plays Dr. Manhattan for most of the nine episode Peabody Award winning show based on Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' legendary comic, which is Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. 
I think he is going to take this. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, you say, yeah, yeah. Uh, me say, well, I think Jim Parsons in Hollywood oh. is going to pull this out. No. I do. Um, uh, you know, he's up against a co-star there in Dylan McDermott, who was very good. And it really um, should have been Joe Mantell, who's heartbreakingly good in that show. Um, there's three Watchmen, and I just, I'm going into my cancel each other out mode again. And uh, I don't know, Yaya, Jovan, uh, uh, Adepo, and uh, Lou Gossett. Lou Gossett Jr. I mean, that's the other thing, too. I will say this. As, as, as strongly as I think Yaya will, will take this, I also have to say, you got Lou Gossett Jr. I mean, Lou Gossett Jr. showed up and delivered um, in a way that I think didn't surprise any of us who followed his career over the decades with nothing but admiration. But just to see him pull off a performance like this against, you know, against some incredible heavy hitters and against a story that spans the, almost a century of America's life, delving into the toxicity of white supremacy yes. and what really is the appropriation of black culture by white culture in terms of superhero culture. Yeah. It just was fantastic. So were, he not, were he not against his co-stars, I would uh, probably jump in there with you. I, I have to yeah, say no, something. That, I want to ask you about this because you, you have such a good understanding of the minutiae of this. And, and, yeah. and as we talk about the, the power of the mask, do you really think when you look at the amount of nominations that, that, that Watchmen has received this year, do you really think there's a self-canceling mechanism in play here? Oh, sure. I think that happened with the Game of Thrones season after season for some of the actors, canceled themselves out in the supporting uh, categories, uh, it, you know, and Peter Dinklage just kind of stood out and he was able to win over and over so he could he could fend off his co-stars in, in a, a way. And I, like I've said before, that's happened many times. This also, one more nominee here, He's in this because they nominate him every year. It's, it's that kind of actor, Titus Burgess, because they brought back unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt for one gimmicky interactive uh, movie special. And uh, he's up you again. Know, I just want to say, I, I love it when you're critical. You're, <laughs> when you go scathing, you turn the water up hot. Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. But that's a lazy nomination. And, and not to have Joe Mantell, which... I know you didn't love Hollywood like I did, but I have to tell you, you, you watched know, whoa, that whoa, whoa. performance. Let, let's be very good. I did not love Hollywood, the Ryan Murphy series the way you did. I am very proud to live in Hollywood. I love Hollywood. <laughs> hooray for Hollywood. I'm happy you love Hooray for Hollywood. Anyway, I think Jim Parsons, wickedly good as Henry Wilson, is playing against type, what we know him for. And I think that will catch the Academy's eye uh, as well. So we'll, really? we'll, we'll I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe I, I will say this though. I mean, that character is so such a horrible human being that I think I, that while there is, while there is a great dramatic turn by Jim in the performance, clearly people know him from the big bang and they're just like, well, this guy can't be that guy. Um, but I, I, I think it really will turn people off to be honest. I think, I, I think, don't, I think actors love to see other actors playing against type and stretching it. We'll continue this conversation the day after the Emmys, and we'll see. No, we won't. We'll continue this like for the next twenty years. Probably. We still Not have a supporting actress in a limited series, and oh my God, this category is impossible. You have all those great women, many who didn't even get nominated from Mrs. America, uh, going against each other. Uh, three of them. Yeah. And uh, what do you do here? You give it to Tony Collette. Okay. <laughs> That's what you do. Tony Collette 
as, as a, a hard ass and driven detective in Netflix, unbelievable, what, which was unbelievably good, I might add. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm surprised didn't get more. You have so many strong performances in Miss America. And I know some people have gotten on me like why I wasn't such a big flag waver for Miss America. My problem always was with the format. And I actually thought there were too few episodes. Um, and look, anybody who plays the amazing unbossed and unbought Shirley Chrisom is always going to be a favorite with me. But I just think that I just think it's going to be Tony. I just well, let's look at this. Look at all of these nominees. They are all veterans of television and the Academy favorites. Uzu Aduba has Emmys, you know, for As Orange is the New and here, Black. And here, just so I note it who plays Congresswoman Shirley Chrisman, who ran for president in 1972, the first African-American woman to do so, and the first African-American woman in Congress. Absolutely. So when you're thinking about Senator Harris and the history that she's making this year, remember the shoulders that she's standing on. Well, she also has mentioned that Shirley Chisholm is an inspiration. And I held up my Shirley Chisholm bumper sticker when I interviewed the entire cast because I remember Shirley Chisholm very well. Tony yes. Collette, Margot Martindale, another Academy favorite, multiple Emmy winner in different things. Um, uh, Gene Smart, another one for Watchmen. Yeah. Colin Taylor, another great veteran. Now, now uh, let, let's be honest here. You do have an inclination that Holland Taylor could be the winner here. I love Holland Taylor, and I thought she was great. And in that scene with Joe Mantell, I, I, that's why I was surprised he didn't get nominated, and she did. Um, she's just extraordinary and heartbreaking, and and then shrewd as a, a, a rare woman executive in a big studio. And uh, I think people, uh, they're in the industry that are voting for this, and actors, I think they recognize a character like that, who's encouraging, by the way, to other actors. I mean, yeah. her character as an executive is a very encouraging uh, voice for actors. And I think they'll look at that as well if they all yeah, saw it in numbers. And Tracy Ullman, always great too. There's so. an interesting thing about this. And this is one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, Yaya Abdul-Mateen has a very good chance, even though there are two other Watchmen nominees in his category, is there is the immensely powerful sense of the times we live in. And I think the times we live in in 2020, which to quote Dickens is certainly on some levels perhaps been the best of times, but it's in very much felt like the worst of times, um, is that I think that these roles can really, you only, you appreciate an actor's work, you appreciate an actor's talent, and you appreciate the timeliness of that work and that talent in, in its presentation. And I think that is very much the case with, with some of these. I, I think that, especially when you look at the Supporting Actors Limited series or movie category, you look at this election we're going through, you look at the changes Hollywood's going through, you look at the changes the country is going through in terms of addressing things like racial injustice, systematic racism and police brutality. I really do think that there is a lot of, um, again, it's just, there's a, there's a lot of undercurrents here. And I, I find this one a hard one to call. I mean, I want it to be Tony Collette because I believe it's a, a, a performance that definitely deserves it. But I think there are so many undercurrents here, it's impossible to tell on one level which way they'll go. I, I think it is impossible too. And I, I'm, I can't even remember who I finally predicted. I think maybe Margot Martindale, just based on the kind of thing that they love her, but they love everybody here. So I don't know, I think it could go any which way. Uh, personally, Holland Taylor would be my choice uh, just because of that character I really yeah. like, but I love, everybody in here and every performance. So good luck to all of you. Exactly. Now, having said that, we want to wish some good luck to, as I mentioned earlier in our introduction, 
Oscar winner and three-time past Emmy winner, Regina King, who, of course, was the lead as the amazing Sister Knight in the nine-episode HBO limited series Watchmen. She was, well, the woman is a queen. She spoke to me and she was uh, working on her directorial debut, which will be making its debut um, at festivals all over the world, beginning with Venice, I believe, uh, which is a night which envisions Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, and Jim Brown sitting and having a conversation the night the man, not Muhammad Ali, actually, Cassius Clay, the night the man who became Muhammad Ali took down the powerful bear, Sonny Liston. That's coming, coming right now. It's a part of my conversation with Regina King from our Contenders TV, the nominees event, where we're talking some Watchmen, and we're going in. We're going in. Take a listen. Watchmen has had an outstanding uh, run here at the Emmy nominations, 26 nominations. But more importantly, in many ways, this is a show that has really spoken to the time that we live in. Starting out with the, the tragedy, and unknown to many, of the Tulsa Massacre, uh, of 1920, in the 1920s, and now moving into an alternative reality of our own. This this series, based on Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' uh, comic book series from the 80s, you guys have done something very, very different here. Regina, I know these issues are so important to you. Why do you think that this Watchmen is resonating so much with viewers in 2019 and 2020? Well, I mean, I think just what you started with, uh, just uh, the entry point to the show uh, was... Uh, reliving a piece of history that uh, a lot of people didn't know exist in in a piece of American history that didn't a lot of Americans didn't know existed. And I think that was uh, kind of when you go in anticipating a graphic novel that uh, is going to be uh, more uh, exact as the, the the original content and you, you come into it with that it's kind of uh kind of it, it knocks you off balance in a way and um i, I think just as humans uh we have this thing called google and when we're off balance or don't know about something the first thing we do is go to the google to learn more and um i just think people's desire to want to know more about uh, Tulsa and American history just made people's minds. Um, oh, it, 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 it's, 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 I guess it's a prescient moment, you know, when people were watching that pilot episode and then to find ourselves where we are now or, or experiencing what we are now. Um, it just, it, it just uh, confirmed that that pilot episode was was prescient, you know. You know, I mean, it's so prophetic. I mean, you know, Watchmen, the, the final episode was in December of 2019. Now in August of 2020, we live in an America where people are wearing masks, where white supremacy's raw naked faces out there predominantly as a part of the the presidential election that we're all going through. There are so many elements of this story that you and Damon Lindelof, who you've worked with before on The Leftovers, that you worked on, that you created in this. What has been the response for you as a creative person, as an actor in this? What have you heard from people and what has surprised you in their responses? Um, I, I, I mean, I guess I have to be honest. Nothing has surprised me, you know, but I, I, I just 
I hear more than anything like, wow, who would have known? Wow, a lot of people did not watch Watchmen when it actually aired. So they're watching it now while they're uh, quarantining or while they're isolating. And it, I don't know that it would have hit them the same way if, for those people that saw it when it was out. I, I'm sure the experience for people who are seeing it for the first time during COVID and saw it uh, when it first aired, those two experiences are, or, or, or the way it was received are quite different. Um, I think um, when I would speak to people when the film first, when the show first aired, it was just like, wow, you know, what is this? This is so many things. And I've had to go back and watch and just, you know, they were really trying to ingest or digest this, this thing that was this, I've been calling it a gumbo of genres. Yeah. Well, I, re I remember when it came, I remember that hearing from so many people that what they would do is they would watch it and then they would rewatch because they felt that there were so many layers that you guys had baked in there that they needed to find out where things were because they knew that this was going to go somewhere. But it's sometimes just they just you had to see it again to know to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have people who are watching it for the first time. Uh, during uh, the pandemic, during, you know, after uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, 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 and being uh, more uh, aware of the history of uh, police uh, brutality or violence against Black Americans. And so they're, they, they're receiving it through a different lens. And their wow is different. Their wow is like, I can't believe this show is so like right on time. It's almost like it's prophetic in a lot of ways. So um, it's been interesting to just th those different responses. Um, they've been quite interesting to just, I mean, it's kind of like a, a anthropology study in a way. That's, that's, what, that's an extremely well way, good way of putting it, exactly. As I told you, Regina King is the queen. And now I'd like to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. You know, we obviously have a season and these special episodes really mean a lot to us and we really appreciate you guys listening in. So make sure as you listen in, make sure you also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode of our season or special otherwise. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. So thanks for joining us. There's more Emmys to come, and we'll be talking to you soon. Take care.